come to be served. He came to serve. And uh, so I thought tonight, let, let me do something. Let me do something a little different. Let me bring it way down um, and just talk about how God uses just everyday people. Uh, everyday people. Uh, are you an everyday person? I'm an everyday person. All right. So and I know most of us are everyday people. And so God wants to use us, and he will use us if we are able, we are willing. And so tonight I thought I would just kind of bring that up a little bit. Um, We must remember, though, that we don't have to be perfect to be used by God. All right? We read all through the Scripture verses. There wasn't one person perfect that God used. All right? all, All the time, he would, most of the time, sometimes, he would use people from the opposite side of the tracks. You know, what? You're using him? Are you kidding me? You know, and, and he would steal you because they were willing, and he would help them, just like he would help you and does help you when we take a step of faith to be used by him. Amen? Amen. So sometimes the thoughts that run through our head, and I was thinking of this, runs through our minds as well, you know, and I'm just insignificant. I'm, I'm a nobody. What, what is he going to do through me? You know, uh, that's one thought that I've, I've heard. There's other thoughts that I've heard, well, I'm too sinful. You know, I, I just sin way too much, man, for, for God to even use me or to do anything through me. Or the thing that I have, the gift that I have, the talent that I have is so small that I'm just going to be such a small insignificance. So why even bother? I mean, have you guys ever ran those things through your heads at times? Maybe one of those or even other times? So Absolutely. So I, I have too, absolutely, and we all do. But that is absolutely not true. Those are thoughts that we have, thoughts from the devil, of course, you know, and those are all false thoughts. Right? Those are lies from hell because God will use all of us at different ways, different times, and things like that. Let's remember that God chose a teenage girl as a mother for his son, all right, a young girl. Wow, that was pretty insignificant, right? She's just a teenage girl, but did an amazing thing for God. We also look here and remember that he used a fisherman, a tax collector, a zealot, and a Pharisee to start the early church. I mean, are you kidding me? Paul, preaching? You're nuts. You know, this guy's crazy. So he used ordinary people, all right? The disciples were uneducated. Isn't that what the Bible said? They, they didn't have any education, you know, before they met Jesus. They didn't have any formal training, you know, theological training of any kind. They weren't homiletical, philosophical, homiletical, and homiletical. They weren't any of those things before they met Jesus. And he used them. And we see the problems that he had with them a lot. But he didn't throw them off to the side. He didn't say, man, you are useless. Get out of here. No. He brought them close, he trained them, he patted them when he needed to, and he rebuked them when he needed to. All right? Normal, everyday people. Jesus is not concerned about titles or names. He isn't. Every one of these stories that we read all the time in the Old Testament and the New Testament, all these people that were popular, that were known, remember, at one time they were unknown. All the great what we call the patriarchs that are all dead now, they were all at one time unknown. I I mean, I never heard of T.L. Osborne before. You know, I didn't hear of any of those guys. They were all unknown at one time. 
But God used them, and they kept using their faith, taking a step out, and God would use them more and more and more. So they were all, all just simple people. And here's something that I thought was really cool, too. When I was reading this stuff and looking at the Scripture verses, God also used Pharaoh to display his power to the children of Israel and led them out, of course, Egypt. That was beautiful. He used Pharaoh to do that. He also taught his people the consequences of disobedience through the Babylonians. And then he even spread the message of Jesus through the persecution of Christians through those Romans. So God was even using his enemies, and they didn't even know it. And he'll use our enemies, and they don't even know it. So God will use anybody. And he was normal, everyday people like us to do extraordinary things. Amen? All right. Revelation 17, 7 says this. For God has put in their hearts to accomplish his purpose. So when you're Christians, when you're born again, man, listen, his purpose is inside of you. It's in there, man. I've got, you get this I, a feeling. I, I think I need to do this. I think I need to start this. You know, years and years ago, Pastor Dosek would, like, somebody would come to his office and say, you know, Pastor, man, I, I think I have a vision. I have a vision for, man, clothes. I, I got a vision to do something with clothes for poor people. He's like, great. What do you need? We'll do it. Well, well wait, now, wait, now, wait a minute, Pastor. I mean, no, uh, it was just an idea. Yeah, it was your idea. Who do you think you got that idea from? It was from within. It was, his, it was his purpose coming out. It wasn't pastor's vision. It was your vision. Now we'll help you with that vision to accomplish it. So over the years, that's happened. Over, and we still do that today. You get an idea. If something comes up, we're like, okay, well, how can we help? Let's see if we can make this happen before we can. And we'll run with it. But God puts those things in your hearts to fulfill his purpose. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes our steps. So we, we might have a plan. I had a plan. I wanted to be a millionaire at 30 years old and retire. That was my goal. That was my plan. I am way past 30 now. I am not a millionaire, and uh, I am not retired on some beach somewhere. I am here in Botkins, Ohio on a stage that I never wanted to be on. I never wanted to be a pastor of any kind. I never wanted to work at church. I never wanted to deal with people. People are problems. <laughs> I ran from this thing for many, 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 many years. I didn't want it. I still don't want it. But guess what? Our plans, they kind of go by the wayside, and God directs our steps. So I'm where I'm supposed to be. Because it's the thing that I have on my life. And I finally stepped into that. 2013, pastor kind of made it mandatory almost. You know, when he said, are you going to work with, for me? It's now or never. So I had turned him down two or three times. Nope, 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 nope. And I really felt a peace inside. And I felt yes. And it was just yes. And it was wonderful. And then, of course, the rest is, you know, history. So, but <laughs> we have our plans but God directs our steps, and we have to listen and be obedient if we want to be blessed with what God has for us. Amen? All right. I also want God's purpose for me to be accomplished. Do you? Do you want God's will for your life to be accomplished, his purpose for you? Do you want it in your life? I, know. I really do. And this is the way it's going to happen. God's purposes will be accomplished. 
No matter what. If you won't do it, he'll find somebody else to do it. It may take a little but he's going to find somebody that's obedient and willing to do what he needs to do to accomplish what he wants to accomplish on this earth. And that's the bottom line. You might say, Randy, that's all good, but I'm just, again, I'm just an ordinary person. I live in the country. Man, I, you know, I, heck, I kill horse flies for a living. I, I don't, what am I supposed to do? You know? So, and I thought you'd say that, and I'm so glad you told me that. Because I got somebody we're going to talk about for the rest of our time here that is a simple, ordinary person that really don't talk about much in the Bible. As a matter of fact, we only hear about this guy when he was, before he was born, the promise that Abraham got from God and Sarah. So what's the boy's name? Man, Isaac. If I had a candy bar, you'd get it. Isaac. All right, we hear about him before he was born because of the promise. After he was born, we hear about him. And really, then the only other story we hear is with Abraham's great faith leading him up that mountain to kind of, you know, be be killed, you know. That's basically all we hear about Isaac. And we really don't hear anything else about him. But a story, Isaac was a very simple person, just like you and I. So I went through everything about Isaac, and we're going to talk about it tonight, and I think you're really going to relate to Isaac. He was an ordinary person of a very famous father, of course. And even though Isaac lived longer than Abraham, he lived longer than Jacob, and he lived, and lived longer than Joseph, he only has one chapter about his life, and that's basically it. One little, yet he lived longer than all those. One little chapter. And the most exciting thing that happened to him was basically he got in a little fight about some wells. Philistine. I mean, it's like, other than that, you got to wake up when you read. You, know, you fall asleep, and you're like, oh, there's a fight. Yes, there's a fight. Awesome. And then you read peace, all right? Well, he didn't really do much there either. So, I mean, just an ordinary dude like you and I. He wasn't bold like his father. He wasn't shrewd like his son Jacob, and he wasn't gifted, a gifted leader like his grandson Joseph. Yet God used him to work out his covenant promise. So Isaac grew in faith and obedience just like when I do today in his life. And he went through the problems, the situations, and the circumstances that you and I go through. So as I was reading um, in Genesis, the 26th chapter, in verse 1, four things Isaac went through, and actually there's five time for the fifth one, so I didn't even write it down. But I wrote down four things Isaac went through that you and I go through today. And in Genesis, the 26th chapter and verse 1, it says, right off the bat, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of Philistines, in Gerar. So right off the bat, right off the bat, Isaac has trials. How many of you have trials in your life? All right, I had a trial today. I was taking some, some uh, wet uh, cushions to put them on a chair, and a wasp came up behind me and whacked me in the back. I even heard it. Back. I was like, oh, you foul thing. And I rolled on the ground, making sure he was on the back. I mean, that thing stung. I still feel it right now. I had a trial today. I'm like, wow. But then that wasp had a trial. I murdered him. I murdered his wife. I killed all of his kids. And I killed all of his grandkids. And I didn't stop there. I went around the house and killed all of his relatives as well. Lincoln will tell you. I was 
knocking them all down, spraying them all. You foul thing, how dare you touch me? So he had a trial after I had a trial. I won. It still stinks. But we all have trials. We all go through things. All right, and Isaac did the same. There was a famine in the land. Now that famine is in the promised land. Later on, of course, when they all go through the promised land, that's where the famine was at this particular time in Isaac's life. Now God could have provided for Isaac. He could have told him about the famine that was coming, but he didn't. And why did he do it? I don't know. But he didn't do it. So basically, Isaac had to suffer just like his pagan Canaanite uh, uh, relatives, or not relatives, but neighbors. Because he was neighbors to them. So they were in the famine. So he had to deal with the famine. And God didn't take him out of it. So he had a trial. Crazy trial. Trials are the normal experiences of God's people. I know you don't want to say amen to that, but it's true. And so I made this statement. <coughs> Even when we're in God's will, there's trials. Why well, must not be in God's will? I must be doing something wrong. That's why a trial comes. No. We just sang a song right here a few seconds ago that said he's even leading us through the fire. Well, that means we're going through stuff. But he's there with us. He's there to help us. Why don't you just take us out of it, dude? Come on, God. I don't know. We're going to find out why here in a few minutes. But I think if we would realize that life is hard, it would be much easier for us. <laughs> right? We don't, we don't think that way. If we would just, just sit down and say, you know what, life is really hard, then it will be much easier for us. <laughs> it's true. But trials should drive us to have a greater dependence on God and not drive us away from God like it tends to do today. Well, he don't care about me, so I don't care about him. Wrong attitude. Wrong attitude. Isaac could have said that. He could have done that. But we're going to find out right here that he didn't. So number one, Isaac had trials, just like we do. Number two, Isaac had fears. How many of you guys deal with fear every now and then? All right, yeah. Normal people. He was normal like you and I. He also dealt with fear. Sometimes when trials come, we panic. It's just a natural, physical thing that we do. We panic. When the famine came, Isaac panicked and went to Abimelech, the Bible says, right there in verse 1 that we just read. The king of the Philistines. And apparently, he was headed even further. He wanted to go on into Egypt to try to get rid of Ammon. But then God stopped him. And in verse 2, it says, Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you for, for, and your uh, descendants. I will give all these lands. I will, give, uh, I will perform the oath which I swore Abraham your father. So now he had a choice. He sees the famine. Now he has a fear. God comes to him, which would cause me not to fear anymore personally, and says, don't do that. Don't go. Stay where I put you. Now he has a choice. Does he stay or does he, will I stay or will I go? He has a choice. And if he's going to be obedient, then God is going to do what he said he's going to do. But if he's not obedient, he's on his own. Disobedient, he's on his own. All right? That's exactly what happened. And the Bible says that he listened to God and he stayed put. Wow. Boy, if only we would do that. Huh? Yeah. Then also, he was also afraid when we read down in Genesis, the 26th chapter, and verse 7. Let me find it here. It says, you know, he was there in the rear. He stayed like God told him to. 
And he had been there, okay, going into the town. He was getting ready to stay there and settle down when the men of the place asked about his wife, right? And he said, she is my sister. What? For he was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebecca because she is beautiful to behold. I go through that situation all the time too. I know how Isaac feels. But I don't lie and I'm not afraid. Come at me, bro. Try to take her. <laughs> but he was afraid. He did just what his father did. Jeez. Didn't Abraham do that with Sarah? Absolutely. Talk about sins of the fathers coming down to the kids. My goodness. He did the same thing because of fear. He was afraid. That's crazy. In Genesis 26, 24, he again, you go down to the 24th verse, it says here, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear. So he had another situation where he was afraid. If he was not afraid, God wouldn't have said, Isaac, don't be afraid. Amen? So he was afraid. So he had to deal with, he had to deal with, like we do, he had to and then also, Isaac had sin. I hate that word. And God will use us while we are still growing in our relationship with him. Amen? While we are stumbling, while we are messing up, God will still use us. We see it all. He still uses those people. It's, amen? He does. Isaac starts off without consulting God. That was the first mistake. But thank God, by his great mercy, he appeared to him and said, stay there, he listened, and he obeyed. Right? Now, it wasn't sin that he didn't consult God. He should have. Right? But in Genesis, the 26th chapter, verse 7, we just read a second ago that the men at that place asked him about his wife. And he lied. Okay, that's sin. Is lying sin still today? All right, yes, it is. He lied. He said he was his sister. Well, then, if you read down in verse 8, it says, now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Now the King James Version says that he was sporting. And I thought, well, what does that mean? So I looked it up, and man, that Isaac was a cool dude. He was sexually, you know, touching her and petting her. So he's my man right there. That's Isaac, baby. Doing it to his beautiful wife. That's awesome. They're married. Do what they want. But the king looked out that window and said, now that's something you don't do with your sister. <laughs> that brother is a liar. They don't do that to your sister. And so what does the Bible say? Says Abimelech Isaac and said, uh, quite obviously she is your wife. <laughs> and how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I said, lest I die on account of her. So he sinned. He lied. Okay? Amen. So here's the thing. Isaac using his faith in that God would protect him from that pagan king. God, I'm with you. You're with me. You said you're going to be with me. You said you're going to bless my descendants. I'm obeying you. I stayed here. Not problems. I should use my faith and say, yes, she's my wife, that she'll protect me. But he didn't do it. He sinned and he lied, which could have caused him great harm. But it didn't. Thank God. So he had trials, fears, and sin. So far, it sounds like you and I, doesn't it? Sounds like you and I, except maybe Pastor Phyllis. But all the rest of us, maybe. <laughs> maybe us. 
All right? So then another thing that he had is he had hassles. How many of you guys deal with hassles? Man, especially those maybe that own a business. All right? Maybe they have more than four kids in the house. Woo! Man, there's some hassles going on there, right? Hallelujah. Maybe they have mother-in-laws and father-in-laws that are your boss and your wife that's your boss. Man, I'll tell you what, there's some hassles going on. I deal with some hassles around this joint. Hallelujah. <laughs> it was supposed to be kind of funny, okay, because, you know, they're all my, they're all my boss. They all tell me what to do. And so there's a lot of hassles I got to do. So. Thank you. Four or five laughs. All right. So. One of the hassles that Isaac dealt with is he had neighbor problems. How many of you have neighbor problems? Woo! How many of you are the problem? <laughs> Woo! Boy, them hands came down real fast. That's right. <laughs> Come on, somebody. He had neighbor problems. In Genesis, the 26th chapter, and verse 14, if we go over to 14, it says here, God had blessed him because he was obedient and did what God told him to do. For he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Hmm, yeah. So now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. Man, now that's a hassle. Them stinking Philistines, all because they're jealous, because God is blessing him. You know, I mean, man, sinners are going to be jealous of you. You know, when the blessing comes, and they're going to hassle you. Or just because you're a Christian, they're going to hassle you. We know it happens. No big deal, right? Yeah, it's a big deal. But you got to deal with it the right way. And sometimes, and I, and I thought about this, I thought, all those wells, because God's blessing me, them Philistines put the earth, filled them all the way up. Now we ain't got no water. So he goes and he digs them up again. He digs new wells, the Bible says, and then now other people say, oh, those are mine. You're on my land now, bro. What? So I got the Philistines over here filling all my wells up. I got these guys saying that the wells that I had dug, all the hard work, that it's their wells. And I thought to myself, I wonder if he ever thought, and I know that we have probably had these thoughts as well, is does everything I go through, what does it have to do with the purpose and the plan that God has for me. What? Do I really have to deal? Why am I dealing with all this? Why should I deal with all this? I'm a king's kid, for God's sake. I'm a joint heir with Christ. Hallelujah. I'm covered by the blood of the lamb. Why do I have to deal with some of this stuff? God, why aren't you smiting them things? You know what I'm saying? I mean, why didn't you tell me that today I'm going to be stung by a wasp? Why, why didn't you show me that in a dream? I mean, something. Why do we deal with all these things? Second question that kind of is the first question I'm going to give you the answer to in a minute. Are you with me, though? You all still with me? Each hassle that Isaac dealt with helped him move closer to the promised land, closer to the place that God wanted him to go. Are you starting to catch on? In Genesis 26 and 23, it says this. So the story goes on. That the king says, why don't you move away from here, dude? Just, just get out of here. So he moves away. He deals with more hassles, more well problems. So then he continues to move. And in verse 23, then he went up from there to Beersheba. 
is what I'll say. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. Then it says, he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Then on top of that, the Amalekites, okay, came. These are his enemies. They came to him from Gerir with whoever that guy is, one of his friends and the other dude and the commander of his army. And I said to them, why have you come to me? Since you hate me, have you sent, uh, sent me away from you? And they said, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, let there not be an oath, or should be an oath between us, between you and us. And let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you. And since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace, you are now the blessed of the Lord. So we see here that because through the trials, through the fear, through the sin, and through the hassles, he continued to obey. Yeah, even messed up, he needed to do what God wanted him to do. And through those hassles, through that sin, through that fear, through those trials, God was moving him to where he wanted him to be. And that was right there where he was supposed to be. If he'd have had all those trials, and we're just assuming here, with his nature and who he was, if he'd out through all that, he would have probably stayed where he wasn't supposed to stay the rest of his life. But that's not where God wanted him. God wanted him blessed the full capacity of what he could be and what he could do for him. We have to also submit to God and be teachable in whatever we are going through in this life. <clears throat> I guess I want to say this. There's lots of unteachable spirits out there today. Yeah? There's lots of unforgiving people out here today. They're supposed to be Christians. You know, these Christians are supposed to be teachable, but then they become unteachable. Do is go on Facebook and razz you. You know? It's crazy. And here's the thing, and I wrote this down. Being unteachable, unforgiving, and stubborn will not get you where God wants you. It would have never gotten Isaac where he was if he would have been like that. No. But it will get you where you want you. Did you hear that? I'll say it again. Being unteachable, unforgiving, and stubborn will not get you where God wants you, but it will get you where you want you. That's got to hurt which is right out of the purpose and plan that God has for you. Are you hearing me? But it will put you right in the path and plan that the devil has for you. So what plan do you want? I want God's plan too. Amen? If we, will, if we will not act and react in the flesh, we will discover that God uses those problems, trials, hassles, and even our sin to move us closer to the place that he wants us, and that's the place of blessing. And I close with this. If you struggle with trials, fears, sins, hassles, and yes, even family, because we don't have time, but I could get into he had hassles with his family as well, all right? He had lots of hassles with his family. But if you struggle with all those things, then you qualify to be used by God. 
qualify to be used by God. Come on, every hand should be up in this house. We all qualify to be used by God, amen? <laughs> and, and as long as you're growing in obedience, in faith, all those issues, God will bless you as he did Isaac. Those blessings are for us. He was greatly blessed being an ordinary person, greatly blessed. But then he was also a channel for God to bless us. And that is what we are as well. The blessings come to us, but then we are supposed to be a channel to be able to bless others as well. Amen? Stand up, everybody. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Five till. Woo! Hey, God is good. I can do this. Amen, amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight, and God, I thank you for this simple little message, but yet it's very powerful. For God, you are with us. You see what we go through. You let things happen. And, but God, it all has purpose in it, drawing us closer to you, bringing us where you want us to be, building our faith, building our relationship with you. God, we thank you that you'll never leave us and never, never forsake us through these trials and hassles and fears and even the sin that we go through. Thank you for your grace and mercy that you have upon us. And that, God, you still use us and still direct our paths for us. God, let us be open and not be stubborn. God, let us forgive quickly, Lord God, and be teachable and have a right spirit. God, put that right spirit in us in the name of Jesus, God. That, Father, we begin to do what you have called us to do for your purposes in this city, in this region, in this county, and even around the world, God. We thank you for that tonight. We give you praise for it. 